What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to episode 39 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, we are chatting with Katie Sherritt, the CEO of Back on My Feet. And Back on My Feet is a really incredible organization using walking and running and community building to really combat homelessness uh, in the United States. And they do it with a couple of different approaches. And one is around that keyword community, uh, really building the relationship between uh, the volunteers who walk and run uh, with homeless individuals in the morning, uh, three days a week, to really build that bond of community, family, to really inspire individuals dealing with with homelessness, homelessness, whether long-term, short-term, to really find a path back to being back in society, right? And being part of the economy and, and having a purpose in life. And it's it's a really interesting conversation on how we can do that, right? How can individuals who want to help, help, but then also what is working um, to combat homelessness? What things haven't worked in the past? What are working now? And I think Katie brings an enormous talent and skill to the nonprofit sector with her work in the private sector. And I think that is a, hopefully that's something we see more and more is individuals taking that leap in their own life and choosing to really go to a course of, of impact and say, you know, my, I might take less money, but it's going to be something that has uh, impact on people's lives and we can change the course of, of cities and families. I mean, it's just a it's just a really interesting look into somebody's mindset and what that decision is like and leaving, you know, a big time job to, to pursue a, a passion. So a little bit more about Katie. Um, she was named top 20 game changers by uh, Women's Running Magazine. She was highlighted by The Economist magazine uh, for her leadership in social innovation and cutting-edge nonprofit management. Her work has been featured in Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Forbes, The New York Times, ABC, CNN, now Cause Artist, <laughs> uh, but so many, uh, basically any platform you can think of, her work has been featured on. So she comes with uh, a lot of experience and a lot of, I think, future thinking on how we can solve you know, one of the issues that most major cities deal with. You know, so I think it's a it's a fun conversation about a delicate issue and a tough tough issue to talk about. A little bit about back on my feet. Since 2007, the organization members have ran more than 940 thousand miles and obtained more than 6,500 jobs and homes. They've also engaged more than 150 thousand volunteers and supporters. And every dollar invested in back on my feet returns nearly two dollars and fifty cents to the local community. Uh, through increased economic output and cost savings. Back on My Feet has chapters in 13 different cities, uh, about to be 14, and those cities are Atlanta, Austin, Baltimore, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Indianapolis, Los Angeles, New York City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and D.C. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Katie. If you have any questions, just hit me up, grant at causeartist.com, and hope you have a great weekend. Have a great day. So usually how I, I like to start these is um, talking about an individual's journey on how they get to mm -hmm. a certain threshold in, in their life where uh, they decide to take a role in sort of doing something impactful, right? And yours mm -hmm. seem to be taking some some pretty big corporate jobs, right? So, so do we want to mm -hmm. start? maybe there or even before there on how that led mm -hmm. you to sort of take take this this bigger role in sort of social impact so before joining back on my feet i guess i was working in accenture 
um, as a consultant, um, doing a bunch of different, you know, strategy consulting work. And I'd always, there's kind of a personal and a, prof- and a professional reason why I moved into the uh, social impact space, nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I was a kid, my mom would always take me out to homeless shelters, um, addiction clinics. She really always wanted to expose me to people out there who need support, um, just to give you that grounding in empathy. And, and so a, a kind of a pivotal time in my career when I was questioning the work I was doing and whether I wanted to, it to have more direct meaning. Um, you can do great and meaningful work in any organization, but I felt the need at that stage to be more in the sort of front line, if you like. And um, mm-hmm. my mum got really sick um, uh, with Alzheimer's. And it just, mm. it was just one of those life moments where uh, you just realize that this is a sign and I need to make a change. And if mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's now or never. And so, yeah, so now I, I, I took the leap. Um, it, it, it was kind of coincidental. An email came across my desk from to do some pro bono work mm-hmm. with them. And then I just, I jumped at it. I was like, this is, this is it. This, the nature of what we do is so innovative and different, but yet so simple um, and I just saw the potential and I, I, you know, I was like two weeks later, I was like, sorry, Accenture, I'm handing in my notice. <laughs> and, um, and, and seven years later, um, I'm still here and, and I love what we do. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, before we get into, to the mission, I want to kind of go back to, to one thing you said was, was sort of the, the time you spent with, um, your mom in sort of mm-hmm. homeless shelters, addiction clinics. What do you, what do you remember about that time? Did anything sort of stand out and really impact you at, at sort of an early, early age? I think it was, I thought a lot of the time I would ask my mom, it felt very much like we were, we were always, it was like soup kitchens, right? So we were always stood on the other side of the table, handing something over to someone on, on, on the other side. And I've always been intrigued by people and their stories. My friends would probably say I'm nosy, but um, <laughs> I just, I, I like to know what people's story is. And I think, you know, I would start asking, I'm a young kid, so I would start asking people questions and my mom would kind of be like, oh, no, Katie, that's, you know, not what we're here to do. And it just got me thinking about like, well, what is, how is that not what we're here to do? And I always had that sense of frustration um, that it, it wasn't more about, I guess, building a, a friendship and having a conversation with these people. It, was, it really felt like it was like this handout over a table. And I think what's so beautiful uh, when I learn about back of my feet and the, what we do is this is very much about community building mm-hmm. um, to help individuals see the potential in themselves, to help themselves get out of their own situations. And I, so I think that's what struck me when this came along. It, it reminded me of um, what I thought was missing when I used to go to the shelters and see how things played out. Um, it kind of felt to me like it was some form of a missing link. And um, so it always stuck with me. And then when this, yeah, I, I, I don't the world sends you signs. And this just came across my desk and I was like, mm, yeah, no. This <laughs> is it. it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the one thing, the reason we're really why I wanted to, to have you on is because I think we all sort of deal with homelessness in our own cities. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, mm-hmm. it really doesn't, it really affects every, every major mm-hmm. city at least. Right. And it, it's always it's always a feeling of, of hopelessness, really. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all busy. We all have things to do. But it, it's it's very difficult not to be affected when you see, um, you know, people in the streets in your own city. Right. There, there's I think 
there's always, you know, something in us that it, it just doesn't sit right. And I think we, we all wish we, we mm-hmm. can do more. And I think mm-hmm. finding different approaches or innovative ways to, to kind of bring people together, both from, like you said, there's, there's people giving food and there's people receiving food in, in, in the lines where you used to give them out. And it's sort of a microcosm of, of society, right? There's, how do you bring people together from those two parts where they can do something together? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what kind of drew me to, to you guys' organization. So can you kind of explain a little bit what Back on My Feet is from a mission standpoint, mm-hmm. but then also from maybe a little bit more detail about what the programs actually do mm-hmm. and sort of that, that yeah. format. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is really we use the tool of running or and walking to create a community with individuals living within homeless shelters or addiction facilities. Our volunteers will come out in the mornings from that community. We're in 14 cities so far, and they will run or walk with our members three times a week at 5.45 a.m. in the morning, um, anywhere from one to three miles. You know, this really isn't necessarily about the running and becoming a runner. This is really sure. about helping individuals find themselves again and connecting them to people in the community who can help them. You know, um, what happens is if they commit to that aspect of the program for three mornings a week at 90% attendance for at least 30 days, then we connect them to what we call our Next Steps program, which is the more traditional um, financial literacy training, uh, workforce development aspects of the program that include working with Accenture on skill building, we have a number of other partners, Ace Cash Express, the financial literacy with us, Bank of America, um, to really build some of the missing skills and the gaps that our members need to reintegrate into society. And then we also have employment partners who will refer our members to. Um, Marriott is a good example of that. Mm. We also have a lot of local mom and pop shops um, who will also hire our members. Um, we need more of those organizations that are maybe willing to overlook some of the barriers that our members come to, come, come into the program with to give them a second chance. And so, you know, the, the, the real crux and the only way our program works is the volunteers. Like that's the beauty mm-hmm. in the mornings and that's the magic is it's, it's, it's hard, right? You don't know how to help homelessness sometimes. You feel very helpless. You see it everywhere. And let's be honest, let's get real. People get frustrated by it. As much mm-hmm. as they feel maybe empathy or sadness, they also get frustrated when it starts to impact their daily life. And I think that this is a beautiful way of them coming along and meeting some of the faces of homelessness and just seeing their you and I in different circumstances and that they want to help themselves and they just need a helping hand up. And that you may have, you know, a local coffee shop that you go to every morning that might be willing to hire one of our guys in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right. So it really is just a beautiful way of, of, of bringing people to the problem in a way that can really help our members achieve self-sufficiency, which ultimately helps everyone, helps society, course, yeah. helps the economy. And so, yeah, so and I think um, and we've helped 7,000 plus so far, but I want to be helping 70,000 because there are far too many people. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is that there's already an embedded running community, usually mm-hmm. in many cities, right? So when, I guess when the organization was starting to branch out into to different cities, is mm-hmm. that the first place you look was the running community or was it the homeless community, like shelters it, and nonprofits? Yeah, it, 
we the ultimate aim we're, we're not a running club the ultimate aim for us is to get homeless people to achieve self-sufficiency and get back on their feet mm-hmm. right so really what we do is the first place the first thing we do is look and set and see where the biggest uh, homeless uh, challenges are what types of facilities that they have because you know that people bundle everything into the to the term homelessness and mm-hmm. the reality mm-hmm. is there are some individuals that really do need um government support for the rest of their lives because of the mm-hmm. chronic issues that they have yep. um but we tend to work with those facilities that are kind of those short-term three months to two-year facilities ideally six months plus where folks have enough time to really self-transform and we have enough time to work with them and so it's, but obviously then there's a couple, there are those other factors, like you said, you know, is it a city where there is a running population? Is there a big marathon in that city that we mm-hmm. could get connected to and, you know, uh, fundraise, have people fundraise for? So it is definitely a consideration of where, of where we go, but ultimately we focus on where the greatest need is uh, in terms of homeless population. What were the first, what were some of the, like, maybe the first two or three cities where you guys started and saw success? So we started in Philadelphia and then we branched out to more East Coast cities, Baltimore and D.C. Um, and I think every city comes with its own challenges. Yeah. yeah honestly, uh, and its own opportunities. So some of the cities, you know, in San Francisco, for example, where I'm based, it's everybody's talking about it. It's a horrendous challenge here. And, you know, it seems that it just doesn't, seem to be getting any better quite Mm -hmm. honestly and I think that um, part of the challenge we find is there aren't enough transitional homeless shelters so you have all these emergency shelters people are in and out on a daily basis all less than 90 days and then you have you know some short but longer term facilities and obviously there's a lack of affordable housing but if you only have people coming in and out of shelters for a maximum of 90 days None of us, if you've been chronically homeless or even homeless for a short period of time, are going to be able to transform yourself psychologically and practically within 90 day period. So I think it's just sometimes for us, the, the, the opportunities and the challenges depend on how the, the city approaches homelessness and how well equipped they are to approach it. And we just try to be the best partner we can be in any given city as we try to work with as many folks as we, as we can possibly reach. And you mentioned that that 90 day period and, and kind of what happens after that. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what that looks like? And then yeah. is it is it 90 more days of, of training? Is it longer than that? And then they get sort but, of an opportunity for to be in the workforce? Well, yeah, so they can they continue to, to run and walk in the morning three times a week. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a mandatory requirement. And, and, you know, we see that as them continuing to invest in themselves and continuing to be a, be a part of a community, mm-hmm. uh, stay accountable, stay committed. Um, and that's really important to our employment partners to see that level of commitment and accountability and self-drive. And so when they are in that next step program, there's a few fundamental courses and programs uh, that we look for them to do. I mentioned a couple of them earlier, but Accenture um, Skills to Succeed programming is a lot around resume building, mock interviewing, really prepping them for the interviews that are going to take uh, they're going to take place the financial literacy component is key for us as well as computer literacy um i'm i'm i'm, I'm quite honestly useless with technology like completely useless. <laughs> so i definitely i definitely don't do that course i definitely don't put that course on but it really is about just helping our members understand you know how to build a linkedin profile um how right. to navigate right. uh, job searches on the web and things like that 
Um, and, you know, our members come to us with various skills. Our members, some of our mem members come to us with degrees. Some of them come with struggle with literacy. And so, you know, we really have to meet them where they're at, build an individual goal plan that's going to ultimately allow them to uh, be successful. So there's no, you know, you have to do 16 hours a week kind of set parameter. We have some core fundamental courses and then we build other courses and skill building aspects as needed. You know, we have a financial aid bucket of money that's very unique to us in this space where we'll pay for certifications. Mm -hmm. So someone mm -hmm. can do a forklift truck driving course or uh, some kind of food handling certification course that enables them to get uh, um, interviews within some of the employment partners that we have. So really just trying to build some of those skills that are going to fit well with the employment partners we have and the vacancies that we see in the various markets that we're in. You mentioned uh, Accenture a few times. and So it seems like you, mm. you had a good departure, right? Because it seems like you went to yeah. back on my feet and then you reached back out to them and said, hey, we kind of have an interesting opportunity here. So was there uh, a quick dialogue back with them after you, you took the uh, – the CEO position about how they can sort of yeah there was, be a part there of was already an well there was already an existing relationship to an extent because that's how I heard about back on my gotcha. feet so gotcha. there was already a partner that was involved and but I will say I think it's really grown I, I just saw the potential having worked internally within Accenture um, in terms of what they can do and I, I I don't think it hurts when I'm having conversations with Accenture folks that I used to work there can you sure. some of the some of the some of their language, some of their some of the uh, the acronyms that some people will be like, what what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I think it I think it's really helpful. And I think also coming from that world, you know, to me, uh, you know, I don't what we do. You know, we talk about community a lot, and and I I it, that's the core and fundamental of what we do. But we are very very results driven. I'm here to have impact. We are mm -hmm. here to help as many people as sustainably as possible. So bringing that kind of economic background and the consulting background to the table, I think has really helped us branch out to more Accenture type organizations and more um, some of those donors that really want to see uh, the results and how you track those results, sophisticated measures, and because, I mean, that's what we're here to do yeah, at the, the end of the day. Yeah. One of the, in doing my research on the organization, one one thing that jumped out at me was the stat that 83% of the members maintain employment. To me, mm -hmm. that's a pretty remarkable number. So is there, I know it's it's tough to say because every every city right has, has different economic situations, yeah. just different people, different cultures, different mm -hmm. backgrounds. But is there a certain individual that's in the program that has, is there like a similar sort of background that sort of not everybody has, but a large percentage has where you can identify that person with that background with either this skill set or, or not so much this skill set. And you can see that that person might be more successful than another person in this program. I, well, we try not to be exclusive, right? We try to, if someone has the ability, our, our, our only parameter is for someone to have the ability for self-sufficiency, right? They mm -hmm. might not actually want it day one. They might just want a free pair of sneakers, right? Like, I mean, uh, at the yeah. end of the yeah. day, right? Because, right. you know, right. they've, lived, they've lived through multiple service providers suggesting they're going to do X, Y, Z for them. And, and, you know, you're jaded and there's probably like a, 
you know, you've got to have time to build up that trust level. But I do think that we've got really smart about identifying those that are capable of self-sufficiency and just being really um, careful about how we build goal plans for people. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the way our program works, because they aren't just being, they aren't just sitting down, like in a traditional workforce development program, they would just come in, sit down with us, look at their resume, build their resume. There'd be no running, there'd be no, you know, 5k at the weekend, there'd be no social activities that we have. So you don't build that capital up, that sort of relationship capital that enables that trust level and it enables you to get to know someone and see them in different environments to really identify which source of work environments would be a good fit for them. And that might mean more work, but that means it's more sustainable on the back end, right? So, you know, we're not just a, a recruitment agency that's just putting people in you know, minimum wage jobs uh, as quickly as we possibly can, because that's not going to be sustainable. Right. Um, you know, we, we have to find that balance um, between helping members get employed as soon as, as feasible for them, um, but also making sure it's the right fit. And it doesn't, we don't always get it right. Absolutely not. Um, and some of our members struggle and there are relapses. That is a, that is sure. a part of, you know, addiction. And so, but because we are a community-based program, they, um, as soon as they finish, quote unquote, finish the program, they become alumni once they've secured a job and housing. And they stay connected to us. So they are welcome to come back to our runs. They have, sometimes we have alumni-specific events based on certain cities. We've actually hired a couple of former members in some cities to be alumni coordinators to keep that community going. And again, that's very different. Um, that means they constantly have someone to go back to if they have an incident at work that really frustrated them and they didn't really know how to handle. They've got someone they can call to talk it through versus just spewing on it and then blowing up at work and getting fired, right? Um, yeah. And it's an additional piece of the programming. I think, uh, you know, we could all do with that, right? We have bad sure. days. Sure, absolutely. The day, yeah. You, yeah. you know, we provide that continued community that they can lean on if they need to figure out how to navigate situations when they've maybe not been in work for a number of years. One of the other interesting things that I love about this is there's, and obviously I am obviously not a doctor or any type of scientist, but mm -hmm. I mean, running and sort of getting your heart rate up right and and getting mm -hmm. the blood pumping through your body there are mm -hmm. health benefits to that right Absolutely. so mm -hmm. immediately there is going to be some sort of change that happens in a person that does that mm -hmm. goes from mm -hmm. not doing it to doing it three times a week there's going to mm -hmm. be there's going to be stuff you know pumping through their body and they're mm -hmm. going to have their their brain working a lot better is mm -hmm. there do you see that people that that go through through the program do they do they still kind of like enjoy like do they come out liking being healthy and like do they fall in love with walking or running do you see that mm -hmm. being also a benefit where it's they also not they, their lifestyle becomes not just obviously work and employment is is yeah. a massive part of this but also mm -hmm. living a more healthy lifestyle from absolutely so we actually have additional health programming alongside the running and the walking of obviously the physical activity of the running and the walking we partner with Cigna who provides health classes in things like how to eat healthily on a budget because yeah mm -hmm. our members really really do get into this right I mean some of them mm -hmm. we've got multiple members uh, two 250 or more members have run marathons we we really do wow. see some people yeah <laughs> and many <laughs> that have run multiple marathons um, and some that have run marathons and fundraised thousands for back on my feet and given it back to us. So wow. we've got guys, you know, yeah. I mean, talk about 
virtuous circle and they are so supportive. And the thing is, I think that the, what we try to do is I talk about the running as the tool um, because we don't want it to ever put anyone off. I don't want anyone ever sat there in a homeless shelter going, well, I'm not a runner, so I can't be a part of that program. You don't have to run. You can walk. We have one woman, Norma, that went from homeless to getting a degree from Harvard University in psychology, now working to give back to others. She never wow. ran a day in her life. She right. walked with us the entire time. And for her, it was about being out there in the morning with a community. And so I think we do encourage our members to take us, you know, get as much out of the physical activity as they can. But we're never going to push anyone out of their, you know, too much out of their comfort zone. We want to keep everyone healthy. And then we do. We want to give people other opportunities to, to access other healthy lifestyle choices. So we have a partnership with Lululemon, hopefully the one we're going to build on here mm-hmm. in San Francisco, where they do a, a workout Wednesday with us once a month. And we'll do various different types of workouts. Um, and we'll do, you know, maybe a yoga session, right? So just to introduce people to different aspects so that sure. they maintain that healthy lifestyle. Because, yeah, that has benefits to them as individuals that has thousands of dollars of benefit to the medical system um, and ultimately means that it's easier to sustain their transformation. Could you touch on a little bit about, was it, was her name Norma? Is that, is that what you said? Norma. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about her story? Cause I mean, it's kind of glossed over right there, but that seemed to be yeah, no, it's- a pretty incredible uh, journey that she took. Can you talk about maybe yeah. just, just her, her yeah. experience and, and what happened? Absolutely. So Norma, Norma grew up in, in, in no, no kind of life that anyone should really grow up in, you know, from the age of, I think, 11 or 12, it was a broken home. Um, there was, there was drugs, there, there was crime, mm-hmm. there was, she was exposed to a number of things you, you shouldn't be exposed to at a young age. She turned to drugs herself um, and got hooked at a young age and um, was so addicted. She, and she's openly talked about this in interviews. So I know she won't mind me saying it, but, um, you know, got addicted uh, very, very seriously and would do anything mm-hmm. to get money to um, fuel her drug addiction, including prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it got so bad and she was chronically homeless for a number of years. And then she moved into a facility in Boston called Rosie's Place that we partner with. And she found back on my feet and she came out. And she, like I said, she, she was a walker. She was in one mm-hmm. of the teams that just walked. And um, she just really found a place. And she'll say this herself. We have her, I think, in one of our videos. If you go to www.backonmyfeet.org, she, she's in our national video. And she says, you know, it was the first place I found and I felt acceptance. Mm-hmm. It was the first place I felt, I felt genuinely loved. Um, and that transformation for her really just enabled her to feel and have the confidence to try to achieve her full potential. And, you know, no matter where you've come from, what you've been through, what you've done, um, you've got potential, you've got potential. And she, the team there obviously worked with her to figure out what it was she wanted to do. And they found out she was really interested in being a, you know, a social worker herself and giving back and helping Mm -hmm. others who've been through some kind of life trauma like she has. And so uh, managed to secure a place at Harvard University, obviously, um, for free she was taken on as a scholarship sure and she got her degree in psychology actually not that many years ago um, and she now ha- has a job up there working um, with 
as a counsellor working with other individuals going through trauma. She also has a side business making jewellery. It's beautiful. We've actually sold some of it, some of our gala <laughs> events up there. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's an incredible story. But I think it's just one example of how much people can achieve if you just give them a little bit of the ability to believe in themselves again. Yeah, and just just love and support right very simple mm-hmm. features mm-hmm. that you know we mm-hmm. could we can provide as individuals um how yeah. old was she when she came into the program she was in her late 40s i believe she's now in her 50s yeah. wow wow so she yeah. i mean she lived a long tough life then she didn't come very in long 20, life. 22 years yeah. old or nothing yeah. She, yeah. yeah we have and honestly quite a lot of our members it's interesting we find that a lot of our members will talk about what well, talk about but have been you know chronically homeless for maybe 20 years and they've tried mm-hmm. every program out mm-hmm. there and they'll openly say yours was the only one that worked it's the only one where I felt accepted where I felt like I was a part of something for the first time um, and that just felt very different you know there wasn't just a kind of handout it we made it fun right. they wanted to be a part of it and that's what we all want we want to feel part of something um and we all like fun uh and i think that's that's the difference maker for so many of the members that you know have tried multiple other programs and it just hasn't stuck um and it's so many of them go on to be advocates of what we do um we have one guy sean down in austin he now does uh, public speaking engagements talking about he's a veteran he talks about our program and he's an ultra marathoner Wow. Qualified for yeah, he's qualified for some of the really, you know, high end ultramarathon races that are really hard to get into. And he just has a really inspirational story and he goes and he does speaking engagements, he talks about what we do and it, it's just it's incredible watching the trajectory of some of our members and and what they achieve when, you know, all you do is all you do is go out, run a few runs with them, build their confidence up and then watch them fly. Wow. Wow. So how many, is it a dozen cities now? We are in 13 cities officially with sneakers on the ground. And okay. we're going to be launching Fort Lauderdale in uh, the spring of this year. So we're also going to have, a, we're going to have 14 cities in a few months time. Amazing. And what goes, I know we touched on it a little bit, but what goes into mm-hmm. a new city? It's, is. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of different elements involved, but do you look for local government support at all is that is that a big thing that ties into whether you come to a city or not or is it just strictly if we have enough volunteers the ideal situation is that we get kind of connected to the local government and you know the head of homelessness in any given city so they understand our program Mm -hmm. they know they can introduce us to a number of different shelters um but honestly um we have partnerships with a, a number of shelters across the u.s who have multiple shelters so salvation army is a good example of that great great relationship with them they're a phenomenal partner they do so much for our members as well and we will we'll connect with them you know we'll ask for a contact in any given city that we're going to that where there's a salvation army shelter location so the ideal is yeah the local city is aware we're coming is accommodating um it, you know is is these as a, as a partner one partner in a multitude of partners to help tackle the problem um but really the main thing we go and we we try to cultivate in any new city is that volunteer base because they're the lifeblood of the program right. Right. right they're the ones that make the difference they i mean this is this is there's thousands of volunteers and like 60 staff the volunteers 
are the people that make this program be possible to exist. And so we'll really go into a community and we'll, we'll, you know, maybe go through some of our corporate partners and say, hey, we're coming. Does anyone know anyone in the company? And, you know, there might be a few lunch and learns that we do to get folks interested. Um, but we'll also share with our existing volunteer base. They'll, they'll tell their friends. In fact, a lot of volunteers who've moved to other cities have been the ones that have contacted us and said, hey, can I start back on my feet here? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, that's coming too. Volunteer <laughs> leading opportunities, just again, because we need to be everywhere. Um, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, so it, it really is about building that, you know, the local community base of, of big corporations in that city that want to financially support us, but also and, and hire our members and then the volunteers. So from your accent, I'm going mm-hmm. to go out on a limb mm-hmm. and say that you've come from a different country of, of, yeah. of some sort. <laughs> No, I'm from Kansas. What are you talking about? I yes, but I guess I guess my my point being is that you know this is a, a human problem, right? It's not necessarily just mm-hmm. a, a U.S. problem. And is there mm-hmm. any any type of contacts you have back in in, in Europe or you know even just the, the city where where you're from there that you kind of relay this sort of effort to and be like, hey, look, this mm-hmm. is we're succeeding here in, in some cities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you mm-hmm. can sort of duplicate this um, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I guess a couple of things on that. We do have <laughs> a couple of, we have a, yeah, well, I'm from England. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the North, so I don't speak the Queen's English, but uh, we do, I do have people um, in the UK and it's actually when I last went back um, for a family reunion, um, someone messaged me like, you, your program's in London. And I'm like, well, no, not not back on my feet, but great. Okay, there's another program doing what we're doing, and it's actually like a you know a kind of semi copycat that that sprouted up in London. Um, that for just youth, they just work with youth homeless, mm-hmm. and I don't think they do as much of the back end employment placement as we do. I think it's purely more focused around the run in. Sure. Um, but that was beautiful to see, right? And and we do. I mean, there's a lot more cities in the U.S. that we have to conquer. And and like I said, this volunteer-driven model that we're we're talking about as a leadership team, and really trying to figure out how we how we extrapolate growth on a much more macro scale, that would enable some of this. You know, we do want to be beyond the borders of the U.S. because, like you said, this is a worldwide problem. I think that's the second piece, though, that we're always really cognizant of is the way the reason homelessness is the way it is here is the way the country is is ran right now i'm not going to get political because sure. i can't you can't when you run a non-profit but um <laughs> in england there is a safety net there's a built-in safety net so the problem is maybe not as broad and as deep and it's not as much of a challenge to climb out of that that's a real generalization so i'm not you know no disrespect to anyone struggling through homelessness in the uk but there are more supportive services um and I think that in the U, the U.S., the struggle we have is there's no safety net. So this is mm-hmm. why you see this real chronic homelessness, right? And you see a lot of the street homelessness so prevalently because mental health is handled differently in, in say, the U.K. than it is the U.S., right? You know, there's more, there's more mental health hospitals, things like that. So sure, all of that sure. does impact our work and, and uh, how we can manage it. I think the biggest thing corporations and companies need to do and honestly anyone top down at a company listening to this please do this but even employees within companies we need them to give people second chances who have criminal records yeah if you are looking around your city and you are saying i don't like this homelessness everywhere i go the only way 
yep. we're going to work this out. In part, it's, it's through giving people second chances. Mistakes are made. People suffer trauma. They are desperate. And things can happen. And if they've done the work in a program like ours, they're ready for that second chance. And we need people to give it to them and not say they're going to and, you know, but like find a way around all the rules, you know, just just be open uh, and, and, and stop hindering that ability for that second chance. And I think we come up against that a lot. You know, we'll have enthusiastic folks who want to hire our members and then we'll get to the HR policy stage and they'll be like, oh, well, we, you know, don't hire X, Y, Z. I'm like, we'll change it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. No, I it's it's so funny you said I had a a long conversation with a uh a, I won't I won't get into it, you know, the name of the organization yet because we might do some stuff with them, but um they are embarking on just that. They are looking at how they can control it where mm-hmm. they take uh a private capital, right? And then buy mm-hmm. companies and mm-hmm. that are maybe going out of business, right? So they get them at a really good price. Um, mm-hmm. So they buy these companies and then they have the ability to, cause they run a nonprofit that helps people with addiction, um, people coming out of prison. So then yeah. they have the worker base, right? Say, look, we're going to buy these companies mm-hmm. and employ them with mm-hmm. individuals that are part of our nonprofit. It's a beautiful model. It's a beautiful way to look at yeah. sort of business and um, homelessness, uh, addiction, imprisonment. And it, it's, it's, it was just it, you saying that just, it triggered that conversation yeah. because there are, there are people working on it and trying to figure out how do we um, get companies to, you know, stop being so scared of maybe like whether it's liability, right. Or insurance or, you know, looking at all the bad things that can happen and, and see that what's yeah. actually really, really possible. And it's, it's pretty profound that the stuff that, that he's working on and seeing the progress and seeing mm-hmm. The success, but the the one thing I wanted to yeah. go back to. Sorry for diverting a little bit there. No, no, there's it, huge untapped potential. We talk all the time about taking our program into prisons and working with folks who are just about to be released because there's just it's a it's an entire workforce capable. There's there's huge potential there, and it, if we keep ignoring it, the homeless problem is just going to get worse. Yep, yep, um, yep. Part of his philosophy is is instead of going, you know, to you know a halfway house or, or doing sort of mm-hmm. nothing. It's you go straight into the workforce, right? And you don't exactly. kind of have that choice to fall back into the no. same, which which most individuals want to do, right? But like you said, they just can't because yeah. there's no opportunity. It's like I don't know how Absolutely. to fill out a resume, right? Or I've been in prison for mm-hmm. for eight years from a yeah. drug drug charge when I was 18, a nonviolent crime, right? That's what uh-huh. is devastating yeah. about the prison system is that most people in there are nonviolent offenders, and then they become violent because they have to to survive, right? It's just, a, it's that, just a bad, bad situation. And, that, and, and that's why I have the arguments with the HR department. I'm like, yeah. really? We're talking about a drug charge. 10 years ago, minor effect, like this should yeah, it's, have it's, been it's, it's this level of offense. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, powers, but I could say it, even though you can't, I could, I could get into some of the stuff. Uh, oh yeah. The one thing I wanted to go back, cause, cause San Francisco, right? We, we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. how different cities have different issues. And, and the one thing is that, Hey, I'll try to word it correctly, but, and I don't know this, but I, I assume that there's some of this, right? Is the mm-hmm. homeless problem in San Francisco has to do with what rising prices in, in the housing uh, yeah. market, right? Rent is, is insane. And maybe these people did have jobs, but automation then, because technology is so good, you know, they, they got laid off, right? So now yeah. there's kind of a bunch of different factors that go into to, to that city, but also broader automation in the workforce is a real thing. And mm-hmm. do you see that there is 
like enough jobs out there for individuals to apply for? Or are they going to be employed now, but maybe in five years, those jobs will, will go away because of technology is so good? I know that's a, that's a weird and different question, but no, I can no, see it being an issue. It's something um, my uh, program person uh, and I are pretty like forward thinking on that stuff and like want to sort of preempt the challenges. And so we did a big study uh, like a year ago uh, with a PhD grad actually who built out like these are the industries that aren't going anywhere and these right. are the ones that are growing, you know, based on like the trajectory of what we're seeing in terms of automation. So that really gave us a roadmap to figure out, okay, what are the types of employment partners that we really should be working with we can't predict the entire future right we, we get that but for example supply chain is a massively growing area obviously the amazons of the world and all of right. that so we look we look at those aspects when we're considering okay who are our target employment partners who do we want to join our board nationally who can you know is a is our, is work for one of these in a senior position i mean we do that's kind of how we we think about that aspect but yeah i mean we're not going to be able to perfectly predict the future but we like to make sure that we're giving folks a broad enough base of, of skills to 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 factor that in as best you can yeah so i, I guess i'll usually i usually like to end on sort of mm-hmm. lessons learned and, and sort of you know tips you would, would be perhaps give individuals making a similar leap right i think everybody mm-hmm. kind of the trajectory of, of your career maybe is sort of one that a lot of people kind of go through, right? And they're they're maybe wanting to to make a change and, and kind of go to use their talents and skills that they have generated in the in the business world to take to a nonprofit and, and treat it, you know, the same way and and have results that are not necessarily revenue based, although that is obviously one of them, but also you know impact based, right? And I think yeah, one of the things that you know your your organization does is that. It, it gives back to the economy, right? In a lot mm-hmm. of ways, yeah. which is really interesting because it's it's sort of a nonprofit that works in businesses' favor, you know. So yeah. it's uh, so just maybe some of the some yeah. of the lessons you have learned uh, since being CEO, and maybe some, mm-hmm. some tips you can give to people, perhaps in the same position you were before you made the change. Yeah, I think it's weird because I people people ask me this a lot, and I think I mean the bottom line is it's very different. And it was funny when I when I moved out of the corporate world and into the nonprofit world. I remember a few of my friends joking with me, oh, you'll have a bit more of a nine five job now, you know, because you worked all hours God sent when you sent when you were consulting. And I was like, uh, okay. because <laughs> uh, you when you work for something that you care about, it can right. consume you. Right. It never so turns off. Right? Really, yeah, like yeah, I you you I and I th- and that can be a good thing, but it can also be a dangerous thing, right? So I just think it there are many benefits to moving into the social impact space and, and working for a cause that you care about. There are also many ways to help that cause without leaving the, the current world you're in, right? The volunteer aspects, sitting on the board, things like right. that. So just think, be sure, because it is very different. You know, obviously the, 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 the pay and the benefits and all of those things are very different. But the fact is you wake up every day and like I you know, bounce out of bed because I'm like, this is, you know, there'll be a member story that pings on in my inbox or one of the members will text me something great that happened to them that day. And it's just, there's not, there's no other kind of feel like that. You're not going to get that in, 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 in a lot of the other, uh, it, well, I wouldn't, I didn't get that my old, in my old job, but sure. I just think be sure. And I think, you know, from what I learned in the CEO role is like you, it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to not get it right every time. 
because you are going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to do something. You're going to say something. You're going to, you know, and it, you're human. And I think make sure that you build a network around you of people that are going to support you through that. You know, we're a community. Uh, whether you're, you know, a member running in the mornings, whether you're me, whether you're one of our board members, we all support one another. Um, and if you don't, raise your hand and ask for that support when you need it. You know, that, that we, we want you to be able to feel you can do that. And I think that everyone should do that. But yeah, I do think that if you're thinking about it, talk to as many people who've done it as possible. But um, I've not regret it. It's been seven years and there's not one day I've ever thought of doing it differently. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Um, it's been amazing to learn more about this. And I'm glad we could we could talk about, you know, a difficult issue, but I think make it yeah. an inspiring issue as well. Right. Because I think there's there's uh, mm-hmm. data points out there we can point to that say there are things that are working and yeah. that there's there's a, a ton of growth potentially mm-hmm. for, you know, programs like this and, and getting more co- companies and businesses involved and, you know, hopefully you know, governments at some scale, um, whether it's federal or local level, um, to realize the economic impact that it can have on their city. That is, to yeah. me, the powerful part of it. If we can explain that the right way, right, and mm-hmm. show the analytics behind it and, and real data that mm-hmm. says, look, this is working and it will help your city. Like there's, I mean, what better allocation of money is there, really? So, yeah, um, yeah so I appreciate you, you taking the time and best of luck in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And if anyone wants to learn more about us, do go to our website, www.backonmyfeet.org. Email us, info at backonmyfeet.org. We're always looking for volunteers, people interested in bringing our programs to their city, help with employing our members, being on the board, just, just get in touch. So thank you so much for having me on.